revealed in her recent YouTube documentary, Paris Hilton, the original influencer, spends more than 250 days out of the year traveling the world as a DJ, raking in a reported $1 million per gig. Is that faux or fashion? I've been meaning to watch this documentary. I literally said this yesterday. Hey, subscribe to the Fashion League podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, you know, all those places, and tell a friend to do so as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. On this episode of the Fashion League podcast, we are going to listen to a conversation I recorded back in September with B Social founder Allie Grant. She shared tips for starting your own business, and of course, we played my favorite trivia game, Faux or Fashion. Allie Grant launched B Social back in 2012 as one of the first agencies executing integrated influencer outreach and collaborations. Today, the agency is headquartered in LA specializing in digital forward campaigns for lifestyle, wellness, beauty brands, and talent. Allie's accolades include speaking engagements in press, in PR Week, Forbes, Huffington Post, PR Couture, Variety, The Daily Front Row, just to name a few. With Allie at the helm, Be Social has been named one of Inc.'s fastest-growing businesses spearheading influencer campaigns. Let's hear how she got started. For the month of December, you can save 40% off two months of your Rent the Runway subscription. Whether you're attending a virtual New Year's Eve party or a very important Zoom meeting with clients, you can find the perfect festive look from Rent the Runway's thousands of designer styles. And they handle all the dry cleaning. Your membership also gives you access to Rent the Runway's online members-only sample sale. Use the code RTRMICHAELA to save 40% off two months of your Rent the Runway membership. That's R-T-R-M-I-K-A-H-I-L-A. Hi, Allie. Hello. Where are you calling in from? I'm calling in from LA. I live in West Hollywood. So nice and warm today and finally not as smoky as it has been because the fires are really bad in California right now. I saw it on the news. Like, have you been affected at all by the fires or what's your situation? I mean, just the the fact that it's like really smoky and we've had to stay inside a little bit more than normal, but no, luckily not like structural damage or anything to my home. There's probably, I think it's about an hour away from here would be the closest one. So still a little scary, but yeah, luckily I'm safe. Oh my God. Well, it's freezing cold here. I had brunch outside by the water. It was a terrible idea, but (laughs) not my idea. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Um, I can even imagine cold right now. I'm just like, it's so hot in LA right now. And I did not dress appropriately. I wore my little mini skirt. It was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So are you originally from LA or where are you from? No, I'm from San Diego. Well, I kind of grew up in San Francisco lived in New York for like a small bit of time and then kind of landed in San Diego. And that's where I did elementary through high school. My family's still down there and then moved back there after college for a little bit. And then finally made my way to LA just because of work and kind of what I do. I felt like I needed to be here. Where did you go to college? 
Some people know it. Some people are like, what is that? Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. It's in the Central Coast. It's mostly known for like architecture and things like that. But I went there for journalism and communications. Mm -hmm. It was somewhat close to home. It felt like a fun little college town. I really enjoyed my college career, but looking back, I sort of wish I went somewhere else to learn a little bit more about a different area or even out of country, but it was good for what I wanted at the time. So how did you end up selecting journalism as a major? I was always into writing. Like I'd have my diaries, my journals. I did all the school broadcast from literally middle school to high school. I'd be like on the morning news for our school and like doing all the journalism for that. And I just loved writing. So I thought that I would want to eventually be like a a news anchor. And so that's what I wanted to go to school for. And that was sort of what I was kind of focusing on. So what would you have studied if you could go back? It sounds like you had another major in mind or thinking. Yeah, you know, I was, I think that major is sort of like all encompassing, like I think it taught me communication skills. It taught me writing, a little bit of business classes. So I feel like I could have taken that and really done a lot with it. So I liked that major. And I think I, you know, would have chosen that regardless if I didn't want to be a newscaster or whatnot. So you mentioned studying abroad. Did you get to study abroad while you were in college? No. (laughs) Mom and dad said no. I was so upset. All of my girlfriends at the time were going to Australia and Europe and getting to do their semester abroad. And no, I ended up not being able to. But, you know, that's fine. (laughs) Did you do any internships while you were in undergrad? Yes, I did. And I am like such a big proponent of internships. I feel like that's what molded my career and what I wanted to get into. And so, yeah, like as a freshman through senior year of college, I did a internship every summer. My first one was an advertising agency and we were working on projects for, you know, alcohol brands like Campari to fashion retailers like BB. And I was like, this is so cool. And actually opened my eyes to realize Maybe I don't want to be on the media side. Maybe I want to be on the marketer side. And that's when I actually switched my focus into public relations. So I felt like the real world experience of those internships really helped me like hone in on what I wanted to do. So what was like your favorite experience from one of your internships? I think it was probably this ad agency that I worked at. I think it was totally like devil wears Prada like vibes you know like this like huge building concrete floors there's a creative director that was like totally wild and like just you know screaming and it was just like this totally crazy like being I was like 17 18 years old coming into this like corporate work environment was like such a shock to me but I feel like I learned so much and I had to grow up so quickly and I feel like the internship process I learned more than I did going to school or going to college. And I feel like a lot of people would probably agree with that. Yeah, for sure. Do you happen to keep in touch with anyone from your internship? Because that's something people talk about is like networking with the people around you instead of networking up. Yeah, no, I interned with someone. I didn't keep in touch with them necessarily, but like my direct report that worked at the agency, I kept in contact with her. through. That was my freshman year through all of my college post-grad. She actually, when I launched my own agency, like helped me get clients. So 
I think it's so important, not only like whoever you're interning with, but whoever your, you know, direct report is and try and make as many like relationships as you can through your internship process. Cause you never know what those people, where they'll work down the line or who they'll know. So that served to be a, like a real benefit for me, keeping that relationship. How do you maintain your relationship with people you work with during your internship? Keeping in touch is kind of yeah, it's it's not easy. I mean, I would, you know, make time if I was back home in San Diego for, you know, Christmas break or summer break, like, you know, asking for to go and get coffee or lunch or sort of pick their brain, you know, connecting with them on LinkedIn, sending emails here and there, sort of just like checking in and, you know, showing that you care, I think goes a long way. And I've kind of always tried to do that along the way, whether that's like internships or first jobs or whatever it might be. And I think just those like little steps can can really help you along the way. So what was your first job after undergrad? Yeah, so my first like real job in the industry, I was working at a tech platform. It was sort of like a Shopify at the time, but it actually used the inventory of retailers for brands that were selling direct to consumer to fulfill those orders. So it was like kind of an interesting model. At the time, like brand selling on e-commerce was sort of seen as competitive to these big retailers that also carried their product. Mm-hmm. So we were trying to kind of fix that problem. So I worked in their marketing sales and PR department. So, and I worked across like so many different industries, like from fashion to automotive. I was going to conferences. I was working with media, trying to get press placements. It was really fun. I learned tons. And it was actually back in the town of where my college was, which it was in San Luis Obispo, which there's not tons of businesses there. And this was a a tech company that was, you know, working globally with so many great brands. So it was a really good opportunity. So I got to flex my like traditional PR work, you know, really working with editors across so many different industries, which was great. It was great experience. So after that, where did you go next? I was kind of over living in San Luis Obispo. I was like itching for a bigger city. So I moved down to San Diego. I took a job at a digital agency. They were focusing on Facebook, Twitter at the time and working with brands really on like their social media strategy. And I was really interested in that personally. So excited to sort of switch from like the traditional editorial realm and then focus on that. And we were working with great brands like Tory Burch and Sea Wonder and like helping them with all their social strategy. And then I sort of got tasked to create what we were calling at the time an affiliate program for these brands, which really meant working with bloggers. So Mm -hmm. I was sending out, you know, product and packages to what they were like mommy bloggers. We didn't even use the word influencers at the time and getting them to post and use affiliate codes and links. And that work was proving to be so successful for these brands and their e-commerce strategy. Like it was very clear that every time a blogger did a blog post or posted something on their Facebook, like they were seeing direct results and direct sales. And so I was like, this is such a great career path for me because it sort of blends my personal interest in digital and social, as well as my love for like writing and media and traditional editorial and PR. And so that's really what I was excited to sort of like hone in on. And like, little did I know that that, you know, industry, the influencer industry really was going to blow up in such a way. Right. So you launched your influencer agency in 2011, Mm -hmm. which is 
too early on in the game before anyone knew that this was going to be it for the internet. So what made you decide to go out on your own? Yeah. So at the time, that agency I was working at sort of went into a different focus. They were like, we're going to create tech for Facebook and social and really kind of the blogger thing wasn't their main focus. And that was what I was really interested in. So it was kind of an interesting time for me to go out on my own. So I really just sort of took the leap of faith and I did it. And I, what my goal with launching the agency was to create, you know, an agency that mixed the traditional with this new method of working with bloggers and influencers and help brands with their, you know, e-commerce and marketing strategy. And we did just that. So started working on the brand side, slowly got, you know, client by client, really by like word of mouth. You know, I was helping one of my first clients was a company called Extend Bar, which is a bar studio, like a fitness studio. And they were launching a bunch of franchises across the US. And so what I was tasked to do was get mommy bloggers to go and post and blog about it. And that really worked well for them. It really drove interest for the brand. It drove you know, new customers for them. So it was really exciting to see that. And sort of one thing led to another and I started growing sort of organically. And as I was, you know, building the brand side of the business, I was also like constantly working with bloggers and influencers. You know, I was seeding them product. I was talking to them about, you know, the new brands I was working with. And then, so it sort of flipped in that these influencers were then asking me for advice, you know, what should I do and how should I grow? And so something sort of ticked in my mind was like, how could I monetize helping these influencers grow? And that's when I launched this, what we call now the talent division. And that is where we actually represent influencers as well as brands. And we monetize their social media whatever they're working on, their podcasts, books, really 360, helping them grow and strategize by making more money, by growing their social footprint all across the board. Nice. So what does your day-to-day look like? Or at least I should ask, what did it look like pre-COVID? And now what does your working day-to-day look like? Yeah. So we were kind of finally at a point in the business. We had been around for a few years. We had a good reputation. I'm talking pre-COVID. So I was sort of stepping into a role where I was off the day-to-day and Mm -hmm. I was really working on, you know, marketing the business, doing conferences, thought leadership, really trying to grow awareness for the company and really stepping into that sort of face of the company. Corona hit, obviously it was a real big shakeup. It hit our business really hard initially right off the bat because we do so much work at Coachella and Stagecoach. And so we saw all these contracts being canceled, events being canceled. So we took a huge hit initially. So of course I was a total spiral. I was really stressed out. So I had to basically take a step back, get myself back in the weeds, really organize our team and really like glue us together because we're all dispersed. We're all working at home. You know, business is slow. People are stressed out. So I really had to step into that leader role and get myself, get my hands dirty again. And I'm still, still in that, but slowly pulling myself out of it. But it was kind of a fight or flight, I guess, sort of mentality of like, I have to keep this business together and I have to keep my staff focused and motivated which wasn't easy because we were all, you know, personally and professionally very stressed out. So you have a talent portion to your agency. What are some of like the tips you can give people who are looking to break into the influencer space? 
Yeah. I think most people always ask me, like, is it too late? Like, am I too, you know, is it too hard to get into? I'm always like, no, absolutely not. I mean, look at some of the people on TikTok that just launched a few months ago that have millions of followers now. So I think that's the first thing I always say. And then I think, you know, it's about consistency, posting frequently, engaging with your audience, having a unique point of view and voice and a niche that's interesting and not covered quite yet. But I think it's really the biggest thing is just like the focus and consistency. Like you will not grow your following if you're not pushing out interesting content every day, not only on your feed, but on your stories, IGTV. So that's typically like the biggest thing I push. And people are like, wow, that's a lot. And it's a lot of work that you have to put in to grow a following. To circle back to how you're doing managing your agency, what is it like managing remote teams? Like, what are some of your challenges? It's really difficult. I mean, we all work so side by side and collaboratively. And, you know, we had an office with, you know, breakout rooms and meeting rooms, and we're all in this like same room together. So there was so much cross communication and all of that. And so pulling that away from our business, like really was difficult. I think what we've tried to do is, I mean, video chats and Zoom, it's still not the same. We're trying to work on like how we can all get together in a socially distanced, you know, safe way. I think that'll be really important. But I think it's just like communication, pick up the phone, you know, talk to people. I think things can get misconstrued over Slack and email. And so that has been really difficult to overcome, but it's challenging. I would not say it's easy, although I am getting used to it and I kind of can't really imagine going back to an office again, but (laughs) I also feel like productivity and all of that is, you know, so much stronger when we're all together and in an office. Oh, for sure. Definitely being in like a workspace environment kind of preps your brain to be in activity mode. So I guess this is a perfect time to ask you, are you ready to play faux or fashion? Oh, yes. I'm going to probably totally fail because I'm not a fashionista, but let's go. (laughs) It's this is easy peasy. Okay. I'm going to ask you three fashion questions, three fashion headlines, and you're going to tell me whether it's a real story or faux story. Okay. Faux or fashion. Faux, I made it up. Fashion, it's real somewhere on the internet. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Your first question. Outside of celebrity children and socialites, Fashion blogger Brian Boy became the first influencer to sit front row at a designer show at New York Fashion Week. Is that faux or fashion? Fashion, I believe. Yes, this is true. Yes, I feel like I read that on front row or something. I like have totally read that story. Yes, of course. He like made the way, paved the way for all influencers. He was at the Marc Jacobs show in 2009. 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Okay. So look at you. You were doubting yourself and here you go. (laughs) You got two more to go. Okay. Second question. Revealed in her recent YouTube documentary, Paris Hilton, the original influencer, spends more than 250 days out of the year traveling the world as a DJ, raking in a reported $1 million per gig. Is that faux or fashion? I've been meaning to watch this documentary. I literally said this yesterday. I was like, I can't wait to watch that. I mean, those numbers seem valid. I know she DJs. So I'm going to say fashion. 
Yes. Okay, oh good. my God. So you won already. Look at this. You got two. <laughs> you were doubting yourself for absolutely no reason. But yeah, I haven't watched the documentary. I was just reading the New York Times article about it. And it was like yeah. talking about her business acumen, like how she's basically a genius and conned us for 20 years. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, but so her whole like, I'm not smart thing was just an act. Like she yeah. was just acting. I don't know how much I believe of that, but okay. <laughs> I believe it very much because that's the same thing they said about Amanda Seyfried when she was playing the dumb girl in Mean Girls. She had to be very smart to be dumb. See? Yeah, yeah, true, true. I mean, if you're making a million dollars on a DJ gig, you're clearly smart and doing something right. (laughs) Okay. And so your final question. Are you ready? Yeah. During Paris Fashion Week, Anna Wintour was seen seated second row at Valentino's runway show. Is that faux or fashion? I feel like faux. It's real. Oh, <laughs> oh interesting. Interesting. Okay. Real fashion. So this okay. was 2014. Okay. Anna Wintour was seated behind Grace and her rest of her staff. <laughs> she let her staff sit front row because there wasn't enough seating. And then the PR people tried to move her to the front row and she was like, no, I'm okay. Oh my gosh, interesting. Okay, so two out of three, not bad, not bad. (laughs) I tried to throw you off. I knew that last one sounded completely made up. (laughs) That's fun. I love this idea. It was really, really cool. I think I was just going to ask you about like work from home tips. Like, do you Mm -hmm. have work from home hacks? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just about like creating a routine, right? Like I think in the beginning of quarantine, I was not in a routine. I, you know, every day was different. I was waking up at different times, not getting dressed. And so that sort of made me feel a little little bit like flustered and all over the place and overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And now I'm like really strict with my routine. You know, I get up, I make my coffee, I go on a walk. I get dressed and I think all of those things have really helped me. And then also it was sort of, I thought quarantine was going to be like three weeks long. Like I was like, oh, we'll be in the office a month or something. So now we're what, in six months in, I finally like, well, it was like three months in, I finally was like, okay, I'm going to set up my actual desk space. So Mm -hmm. I brought my screen from the office, my mouse, my mouse pad, and like I actually set it up so it feels like a real desk. And that has really helped. I'm still working on my dining room table, which I feel like I need to switch out and find like a real desk, but it's working for now. And just like realizing like, this is the new normal. Like, I don't know how long this is going to last. Mm-hmm. And I even think when it is all gone and it, you know, things are back to normal, I think just like people are going to think of like the office and going in every day is like sort of like an old school way of working. And I think what we'll probably do as an organization is just, you know, work from home three days, go in two days, sort of mix it up. And I think it, you know, some of the girls on our team just had, have newborn babies. And it's just like, they're spending so much time with their like children. And it's just like, that would have never happened. It's like, there are some miracles that are happening through all of this chaos. And I think allowing a lot of like CEOs and founders of companies to realize that, you know, you don't need to be in the office nine to six every single day. There's, there's other ways of getting work done. And I think, you know how some companies you would do like work retreats and that sort of thing. I feel like all those team building exercises are just going to be, that's when you're going to go into the office and then the rest yep. do remote work, just yeah. kind of switching it up. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Have, are, are you working from home, obviously? Yeah. <laughs> my husband and he has his double monitor and laptop taking over the entire living room console i don't understand why he needs that giant monitor i feel like <laughs> <laughs> that's me i have like my big monitor too i don't know like when i'm looking at spreadsheets and things it's, it's nice does he yeah. do something in tech or something that he needs to yeah, do? yeah. Finance. yeah there you go <laughs> spreadsheets. <laughs> i just need my laptop and i'm good to go i'm yeah. not even my apartment i'm at my friend's apartment now (laughs) (laughs) there you go (laughs) that is it we are all done it was lovely chatting with you yeah that was so easy thank you so much did you think it was gonna be difficult (laughs) no i just i never know going into podcasts like sometimes they're difficult sometimes they're not you have like the most like beautiful like radio voice ever oh my god so you like are definitely in like the right industry (laughs) it's like calming and nice (laughs) i'm gonna put that on like the trailer thank you (laughs) 